know, we could talk, the one thing is to chant Hare Krishna, the one thing is to serve the devotees, <laughs> the one thing is to surrender. And this is one of those one thing verses. If you get this one thing, Mukti it becomes your inheritance to enter the kingdom of God. So to just get this one thing right, even if you don't get anything else right, you get this one thing right, you enter the kingdom of God. Translation. Uh, now it's interesting that this is, uh, this is part of the Bhagavatam that Prabhupada didn't translate. So the Prabhupada's translations ended in the previous chapter. But I'm noticing that for this translation, they're using Prabhupada's translation. Because Srila Prabhupada translated this verse in many, many places. Discussed it in many places. So this is Srila Prabhupada's translation. My dear Lord, one who earnestly waits for you to bestow your causeless mercy upon him, all the while patiently suffering the reactions of his past misdeeds, and offering you respectful obeisances with his heart, words, and body is surely eligible for liberation, for it has become his rightful claim. So before we read the purport, let's just look at this. Uh, so what are the conditions? We have the translation here. So let's look. What's the first thing one has to do? Can anyone say from the translation? One has to be called well, first thing, what's the first thing? Let's go in order in the... Patient, okay, but also we have this word earnestly. So with feeling and waits is patient. So you have earnest and patience for what? For mercy. For mercy. So to be earnest and patient for mercy, both. Earnest and patient. Does that remind us of a verse by Rupa Goswami? To be both earnest and patient. Yes, That is from where? What is the source of that verse? Where is that from? Nectar instruction, Upadesh Amrita. And which text? Third, yes. Okay. So then what is the next point? Patient, patiently what? So patiently suffering. Okay, so the next point is one should suffer how? Patiently. Generally do we suffer patiently? No. And what are we suffering? Past misdeeds. So if we look at the Sanskrit as evatma kritam. Atma means the... What's Atma? Self. Kritam. Kritam means to do. What, what we have done. So patient suffering for what we have done. Are we victims? Are we victims? No. We have done. Yes? You eat too much, you get a stomach ache. We eat. Not that somebody is opening the mouth and, right? We are eating too much and then we get something. Alright, what's the next thing? Offering respect. What kind of obeisances? Respectful. 
and offering with what? Offering these obeisances with heart, words, and body. We look at the Sanskrit, rid, vak, vapur. Not just vapur, <laughs> and not just vapur and vak, but vapur, vak, and rid. Okay, so what is the next thing? What do you get? So this is what we need to do. We have earnest, patience for mercy, patient suffering of our own actions, respectful obeisances with heart, with speech, and with body. That's what we do. What does Krishna do? What's the last part? What does he do? Liberation. Mukti Pada. Why does Krishna give Mukti Pada for doing all that? Last part is rightful claim. Dhyabhara. Inheritance. One gets one's inheritance. Is this very clear? Yes? So again, let's look at this. What do we have to do? We have to earnestly have patience for mercy while we patiently suffer what are we patiently suffering our own reactions the reactions to our own deeds and we are so this is we're patiently waiting for mercy and patiently suffering and while we're doing that we are offering our Obeisances, respectful obeisances with our what? Heart and words and form and our body. And what does Krishna do? He gives liberation. Why? It's our rightful claim. You may know Sarva Bhattacharya didn't like what part of this verse? Anybody know? Liberation. He didn't like Mukta and he changed it to what? Bhakti And who objected? Who said, no, no, you cannot do this? Mahaprabhu, yeah. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he says, what are you doing changing the Bhagavatam verses? He says, but Sarvabhama Bhattacharya, who'd been a Dvaita Vadi. And he said, I don't like this Mukti today anymore. So Lord Chaitanya appreciated that he didn't want Mukti, that he wanted Bhakti. But he said, you cannot change the Bhagavatam verses. And he said, this is like Mukunda, like his face, like a lotus flower. And that all kinds of liberation are found at his feet. So you leave it like that. Let's read the purport. Srila Sridhar Swami explains in his commentary that just as a legitimate son has to simply remain alive to gain an inheritance from his father, one who simply remains alive in Krishna consciousness following the regular principles of bhakti yoga automatically becomes eligible to receive the mercy of the personality of Godhead. In other words, he will be promoted to the kingdom of God. So let's look at this for a minute. Remaining alive in bhakti means doing this. Remaining alive in bhakti doesn't just mean it doesn't just mean doing that. It means 
this going on. The word su samikshamanam indicates that the devotee earnestly awaits the mercy of the Supreme Lord even while suffering the painful effects of previous sinful activities. So the question may arise, how is it that the devotee is suffering for their previous activities? So we go on in the purport. Lord Krishna explains in the Bhagavad Gita that a devotee who fully surrenders unto him is no longer liable to suffer the reactions of his previous karma. Can anybody recite that verse for me? Sarva Dharma Purja Jamame Kamsharam Bhaja Sarva Bhapanjo Bhokshishami Masuja Sarva Bhapanjo However, because in his mind a devotee may still maintain the remnants of his previous sinful mentality. You know what is the remnants, right? What is left? Like this morning I offered a giwik to Giriraj and then after the fire is finished there's some ash and there's some ghee. Right? So the remnants, what is left? So the remnants of previous sinful activity, the Lord removes the last vestiges. Vestiges again means something that is left of the enjoying spirit by giving his devotee punishments that may sometimes resemble sinful reactions. The purpose of the entire creation of God is to rectify the living entity's tendency to enjoy without the Lord. And therefore, the particular punishment given for sinful activity is specifically designed to curtail the mentality that produced the activity. So this is an extremely important point. Just like we say that if you eat the flesh of a cow, or you are involved in any way in the killing of a cow for meat eating, what is your reaction? Anybody know? You will be killed. At, you will be killed. You will have what form? You will become a cow. And you will be killed. How many times do you have to be a cow and be killed? How many hairs are on that cow? You have to take birth as a cow that many times and be killed. So what will that do? If somebody is eating meat, that means they have no what? What are they lacking? Knowledge. Not really knowledge, because everyone who is eating cow meat, they know they're eating cow meat. They're, they're not in ignorance. What are they? Yes? Compassion. They are lacking compassion. So if you become a cow and you are slaughtered a thousand times, then you will get some compassion. Do everybody understand? Yes? I don't know if they teach uh, English literature in Indian schools. Do they teach? Do you read Dickens in all in your schools? No. You do. So you were at least you have some of this. So Dickens wrote this, no it wasn't Dickens, it was uh, Mark Twain. Mark Twain wrote this book called The Prince and the Pauper. Have any of you read this book in school? Did you have to read this book? 
So in The Prince and the Pauper, there was a prince and a poor man who looked practically like they were identical twins. And for a joke, they switched places. But then nobody would believe who, what their real identity was. So the prince, who is now a poor beggar, he lived for many, many months like a poor beggar, and he traveled throughout his kingdom, experiencing his kingdom from the position of a beggar. At the end of the book, everything is restored. The, the prince, who is now the king, uh, comes back to his position, but with compassion. Because he lived as a beggar for so many months, when he came back to the position of a king, he had some compassion. What are the people experiencing in my kingdom? And he was a good and just ruler. So the law of karma is like that. It's putting us in a position where we will develop the mentality that is opposite to the mentality that caused us to commit the sin. Does this make sense to everyone? So the point being made here in this commentary, the devotee is actually free from the reactions to their sin. And if the devotee has also changed their mentality, so if before coming to Krishna consciousness, one was eating meat, and then coming to Krishna consciousness, you not only become a vegetarian, but you develop compassion. Then there's no need to take birth as a goat or a cow or a pig and be slaughtered, because you already have the compassion. But suppose you take to Krishna consciousness, but you don't develop compassion. Then there may still be some reaction. It will not be as severe, but there will still be some reaction for you to develop compassion. Is this clear? That means any suffering we are getting is because there's something wrong with our mentality. Generally, some exceptions. Okay, going on. Although a devotee has surrendered to the Lord's devotional service until he is completely perfect in Krishna consciousness, he may maintain a slight inclination to enjoy the false happiness of this world. What is the false happiness of this world? We're not talking about having a car. We're not talking about having, you know, high-speed internet. That's not what we're talking about. We're not even talking about having an attractive spouse and having intelligent, accomplished children. It's not what we're talking about. The false happiness of this world is the mentality that I am the enjoyer. I am the doer. Ahankara vimutatma kartaham iti mandite. Ishwarham ahambogi siddharam. That is the false happiness of this world. A pure devotee can have a car, a pure devotee can have a beautiful wife, a pure devotee can have good children, a pure devotee can have high speed internet. A pure devotee can have all of these things, but they don't have this false happiness of trying to be the Bhokta, trying to be the enjoyer. That is the point. Okay, going on. 
The Lord therefore creates a particular situation to eradicate this remaining enjoying spirit. This unhappiness suffered by a sincere devotee is not technically a karmic reaction. It is rather the Lord's special mercy for inducing his devotee to completely let go of the material world and return home to God. So it's kindness. A sincere devotee earnestly desires to go back to the Lord's abode. So this is another important point. Prabhupada says this in, I think, the third canto. He says, we should be captivated by the information of the spiritual world. We should not be complacent. If I go back to God and I don't go back, that doesn't matter. Of course, the pure devotees are already back to God and in this body. You understand? They don't have to change some geographical location. And it's not just a matter of changing the geographical location. It's a matter of, if you have the proper consciousness, you are back to Godhead here. Therefore, he willingly accepts the Lord's merciful punishment and continues offering respects and obeisances to the Lord with his heart, words, and body. Such a bona fide servant of the Lord, considering all hardship a small price to pay for gaining the personal association with the Lord, certainly becomes a legitimate son of God, as indicated here by the words of Hayat Just as one cannot approach the sun without becoming fire, one cannot approach the Supreme Pure, Lord Krishna, without undergoing a rigid purificatory process, which may appear like suffering, but which is in fact a curative treatment administered by the personal hand of the Lord. My dear Lord, one who earnestly waits for you to bestow your causeless mercy upon him, all the while patiently suffering the reactions of his past misdeeds and offering you respectful obeisances with his heart, words, and body, is surely eligible for liberation, for it has become his rightful claim. So one time, some years ago, I was at a park, uh, a play area for children, and there was one little girl, I don't remember how old, little girl, three, four, five years old, was there with her father. So she was playing and playing, and the father said, now it is time, we have to go home. And the girl was screaming, I don't want to go home. So the father picked up the girl, and she was still screaming. And he carried her out of the park. So I think we can assume that this father loved his daughter and that he was taking her someplace for her benefit, not just for his benefit. He was doing this out of love, uh, but she was screaming. She didn't trust that what he was doing was for her benefit. And it was difficult for the father to carry this screaming child out of the park. It would have been easier and much more pleasant if the child had been cooperative. It would have been easier for the father and it would have been easier for the child. But the father still carried the child out of the park. 
even though it was difficult. This is exactly our situation. And we are asking the Lord, please take me home. We are saying, every time we come to the temple, every time we offer obeisances and deities, we give some donation, we do some service, we chant the Hare Krishna mantra, any of the prayers we chant, we are saying, please, 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 take me home. Engage me in your service. Please give me my rightful position. Please wake me up. Diabak is your inheritance. Inheritance is what is rightfully ours by constitution. Who we are. Your inheritance is, is your property, isn't it? Your, your share of the property belongs to you. So we are asking for what is already, already ours. We're not asking for something else. And of course the father wants to give the child what is rightfully theirs. Of course. When the family sits to a meal, the mother and father, they want to give the children their share of the food, isn't it? At least among human beings. Among lions it's not like that. Among lions, the male, the, the lioness, the female lions, they do most of the hunting. You know that? And a pride of lions is one big male, and he has many females, and the females do the work. They go to work, and they bring back the kill, and then the big male lion who's staying back, he eats first. And after he's finished, then the females eat. And after they are finished, the cubs eat. The lions are not good parents in the animal kingdom. If there's not enough food, then many of the cubs will die. But human beings are not like this. We are not cruel jungle beasts. And the parents make sure the children get their share. And the parents do not begrudge. Even in very poor families, sometimes the parents will go hungry, so the children don't. So the Lord also, He wants us to have our share of the Kingdom of God. Yet Baba Bhavi Tadio Manu Jasitaiva Samprapi Rupa Mahimasanayana Busha Suktaya Vedanikamaji It says that one gets uh, even a, a home and furniture and ornaments. One who attains to the spiritual world, you don't go there and you're living under a tree, you know, like some, like some Babaji who got a so one goes back to the spiritual world. In the spiritual world, we already have our home, our family, our friends, our furniture. Of course, it is all fully conscious and alive. But anyway, Krishna wants to give us this. He's anxious to give us this. He wants to share with us. This is His desire. If we say, my Lord, I want to follow your desire. But that is His desire. If the child comes to the meal and doesn't eat, are the parents happy? They will say, eat, 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 yes? Come, must take something, must take something. I have seen even parents, they're following their children around the house, trying to put food in their mouth, you know? 
So Krishna's like this, he's following us around. Please eat. <laughs> so he wants, this is his desire. If we want to say, what is the Lord's desire? This is his desire. That we take our rightful portion of, of enjoyment in this spiritual world. And when this becomes our desire, then this is in sync with the Lord. But we have a problem that it may not be 100% our desire. It may be partially our desire. Yes, I want to serve the Lord. Yes, I want to go back. But... After I finish this... Now, I have seen one family visited us and their teenage son was completely into computer games. So he turned on his, they were visiting our home and he was playing constantly. He woke up very early, but instead of going to Mangalartik, he went on the computer. He didn't even bathe, nothing, just on the computer. And he didn't come to breakfast. You know, finally the family says, you must eat. And he wouldn't come. So they turned off the internet. So he would eat. So this is our problem. We're saying, Krishna, please, I want to serve you. Krishna, please, I want to serve you. Krishna, please. But we also still are maintaining some of the same desires that have caused us to take life after life and suffer in so many ways. We can say, no, no, that's not true. But the evidence is that we are suffering. That is the evidence, that is the proof. Just like Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur of Madhurya Kadambani, he may say, you may say, I'm not committing any opera. I'm not committing any opera. Blaspheme the devotees who dedicate, I don't do that. Say the demigods are equal to prayer, I don't do that. Disobey the orders of Guru, oh, I don't do that. I don't do any offenses. He says, you can say that, but if you're chanting the holy name and you're not melting in ecstasy, that is the proof that you are committing things. So we can say, no, 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 I have no desire to enjoy my false ego. I just want to serve you. I am so pure. But the evidence is that one is suffering. That is the evidence. We get diseases, we get mental anxiety, we have other living entities who bite us, we have ent entities who criticize us, and we are suffering, we are experiencing it as suffering. The fact that we are experiencing it as suffering means that we still have an enjoying mentality. Now, if you can understand this point, this is a very crucial point. Those who are pure devotees may apparently also have similar circumstances. Srila Prabhupada was also criticized. When it was raining on everybody, it was also raining on him. Right? Although, there's one nice story. I think Prabhupada was in Calcutta and the mosquitoes were coming. Prabhupada wanted a mosquito net. And one of the devotees there said, Oh, Prabhupada, in Los Angeles, the mosquitoes were biting everybody, but not you. They must know you're a pure devotee, so they were not biting you. Prabhupada said, Yes. He said, But here in Calcutta, they don't make any distinction. <laughs> so it may, it may be, you know, saintly persons never appreciate it in their hometown, right? 
So it may be that the saintly person is apparently suffering difficulty. If we think, Vishnu said, if we think of the difficulties of the Pandavas, can you imagine? But please try to understand this point. Those who have no desire to enjoy the false ego do not feel those situations as suffering. They don't experience them as suffering. They don't experience them as suffering. Even one who's Brahman realized doesn't experience them as suffering. They only experience them as interesting. But for a pure devotee, they experience them in varieties of ecstasy as part of Krishna's adventure. Just like when Krishna enters Agasura, or when Krishna is wrapped up in Kaliya, and the devotees are apparently almost dying. But that feeling is a kind of ecstasy. We have all of the different Anubhavs and the Vyavichari Bhavs. Those are different waves of ecstasy. You say, well, how can that be ecstasy? In a material example, people go to entertainment that is scary, correct? They ride on these rides that are scary and they enjoy it. They go to a film that is scary and they enjoy the film, correct? Or people go to a film that is sad. Someone said, was it a good movie? Oh, it was a great movie, it was so sad. So they are paying their money to cry. Everybody understand? Yes? So there's a little idea that all of these things can be ecstatic in relation to Krishna. Why do we experience, as a conditioned soul, why do we experience these things in the world as suffering? Because we are trying to enjoy this world. Because we are trying to grasp the pleasurable things of the world and hold on to them as long as possible, and we are trying to push away the difficult things of the world as fast as we can and hold them away as much as we can, therefore we are suffering. And we are deciding what is pleasant and what is unpleasant by what will satisfy mostly my ego. I am a great person, I am wonderful, I am the center of the universe, I don't do anything wrong, I have such a pure heart. <laughs> Which is all rubbish, materially. Spiritually, that's a fact, but materially, that is just all rubbish. And that is what we are trying to enjoy, and that is how we are deciding what I want to hold, what I want to push away. In the Bhagavad Gita, over and over and over and over and over, Krishna says, don't be attached and don't be averse. Be equal. Something good is coming from my senses. Someone is praising my ego. My ego. Okay. Something bad is coming from my senses. Somebody is criticizing my ego. My, okay. I am not this ego. I am not this body. It's like somebody else. 
you, you walk past a dog in the street, you find some food, and someone yells at the dog. You don't feel anything. We should feel the same about this ego in this body. It's like some dog walking down the street. Sometimes it finds some food, somebody, sometimes somebody gets a stick. But it's not me. Then we become like the ocean. So many rivers are flowing in, and it's not disturbed. How do we maintain this equanimity? By absorption in Krishna. By absorption in Krishna. Not like the Mayavadis, where they just try to stop everything. Klesha Dika Tarashtesham Krishna says, don't do that path. It's a, it's a path, but don't do that path. That's how we have equanimity. So when we are feeling the suffering of this world, that means we're not fully absorbed in Krishna, isn't it? And that means I'm still thinking, I have to be great. I deserve things for my ego. I deserve things for my senses because I am great and I am the center. And therefore we are suffering. So the devotee who inherits the kingdom of God, if they cannot yet be equal poised, if they're not yet equal poised because of full absorption in the Lord's Nama, Rupa, Guna, Lila, and Seva, then at least they understand with their intelligence, this suffering is simply the result of my own lack of absorption in the reality and my continued absorption in my own ahankara. That's why I'm suffering. It's not exactly, I mean, here Rudananda Marsh uses the word punishment. It's not exactly a punishment. It's a natural effect. If there is a glass door and you try to walk through the glass door, you will get hurt. That is not the punishment of the architect. The architect, the builder, they did not say, let us put a glass door here so people will get hurt. So it's not that Krishna says, Aha, you're not thinking of me, you will suffer. Okay. It's not like that. This is the preaching of the Christians, the Muslims, etc. That God says, love me, surrender to me. If you do, you will be happy. If you don't, you will suffer. They think God is some demon. Actually, they think like that. It's not like that. I'm part of Krishna. I'm part of Krishna. I'm an amsa of Krishna. My happiness comes when I am in love with Krishna. That is just the reality. How could there be a reality where each of us got happiness as an independent center? Imagine you had some dance performance. And each dancer is thinking she is the independent center. Would it be a nice dance performance? No. Everybody would be crashing into each other. And some of them would fall off the stage. So as soon as we think I am the center, I mean if I think I am the center, will you all agree that I am the center? No. Each of, each of us, everybody wants to be. I mean not you because you're all great Vaishnavas. But everybody wants to be the center. Nobody's agreeing. If I go to the world, hey, I'm the center. Who will agree? Even my own children will not agree when you speak of anybody else. So that is why it's not real. It's not true. Like a glass door, it, it's not an opening. 
So because we want to do something that's not true, therefore we suffer. We can at any time, at any moment, be free from all of our suffering, instantly, fully, completely, if we give up the desire to be listened. That is in our hands. That is always in our hands. And that is the will of the Lord, and therefore He will instantly award that if we do. He will instantly help us. That is His will. So if I am continuing to experience this world as suffering, at least I should understand philosophically. Atmakritam, I am causing my own suffering. So what does it mean to patiently await the mercy of the Lord? It means to have faith that if I engage in bhakti yoga properly, that my tendency to want to be the center will decrease. It will. Therefore, my suffering will proportionately decrease. And I will be patient and confident and enthusiastic that if I just simply follow this process of bhakti yoga, I will just, and I really like in the Durya Kanapani where Vishnu Chakvari Thakur talks about how at each step you get gradually more Krishna conscious and gradually less me conscious. And those of us in this process, we see this happening practically. We see we get more and more absorbed in the spiritual world and less and less interested in feeding our ahankara in this world. And we experience that we less and less experience the suffering of this world as suffering. And one is patient, not blaming the Lord. But understanding the cause is my residual, my remnant of attachment to being an independent enjoyer. So I do not blame the Lord. I do not say to the Lord, please, can I go on in false enjoyment but not suffer? This is our general prayer. Please remove my suffering, but do not remove my hunger. And Krishna says, I can't do that. It's like if you say, don't open the door, let me walk through the door and not get hurt. And the builder will say, I can't do that. You have to open the door. Let me hold on to my ego, let me hold on to my pride, but not suffer. Please take away my suffering, take away my suffering. Okay, fine. Let me take away your pride and ego. No, no, not that. Please, that. Then what can I do? Krishna will say, okay. Then experience the suffering of your ego. And then one day you will say, okay, maybe you should take away the false ego. And Krishna says, yes. Finally, you are asking for the right thing. And then when he takes it away, you say, Wow, that feels so good. And Krishna says, Yes, I told you it would feel good. And then after a while, you say, More, more, more. 
Ravinda Prabhu has a wonderful essay on this topic. So what is the way? It's not just patiently waiting, but also offering obeisances. This is the essence of, of doing bhakti yoga. This is the essence of our japa, our kirtan, our deity worship, our shastra study. All of this is a, is a tangible, practical way to do that we are using our heart, our words, our mind to say namaste over and over and over. Everything, hearing the shastra, worshiping the guru, worshiping the deity, cleaning the temple, everything we are doing is just a variety of this namaste. And as we do that, we gradually understand Krishna's really wonderful. I like him. I want to be with him and his friends. I don't just want to stand here looking at the altar. I want to be there. In his lila. I want to be in Mahaprabhu's lila. I want to be in Jagannath's lila. I want to I, I, I want them to be the center. I want to have them be the center. I don't want this false thing. That comes. That comes. And then proportionately, the experience of suffering goes away. So, I'm sorry we went long, but this is such an important verse. I want to, we can speak about this for another month, I think. Yes? This is one of our prime interests. Why am I suffering and how can I get rid of my suffering? This is one of the biggest questions everybody asks in the world. Isn't it? So we could talk about this for a very long time, uh, but I think we need to take this on. So, that is a very nice way of taking your son. If anybody has a question, we could take maybe one or two questions. Yes, ma'am. And he needs a, if, if you can give him the microphone. Correct. Uh, and I was meditating on this uh, uh, last week and I just thought actually asking if you had a ticket to go back to Godhead right now if you take it. And I was hesitant because I thought that it would be almost like accepting a job job promotion having done no work. Uh, so I felt like I've done it to earn this at the wrong your accent, you sound British. Okay, that's why you look familiar. This was an excellent, excellent question. Did everyone understand this question? Our hesitancy to go back to Godhead may be that we don't think we are deserving enough. You have hit on a very important subject. It is not that Krishna doesn't want to be with us. We don't want to be with Him. One of our reasons not to be with Him is we think we are too fallen. So I started this class with a story about a father and a daughter. 
I'll tell you a story about a mother and a son. This is actually a story about one of my daughters-in-law and one of my grandsons. So I think how old was the child? Very young, two, three years old. And his nose was running. So, you know, when little children, their mucus is coming out of their nose, you know what they do? Any of you have to do this. And they take their clothes and they do this. So he was just covered. But the mother still picked him up. She didn't say, oh, you're not my son. Still she picked him. There's a nice story of Lord Chaitanya and Sanatana Goswami. Sanatana Goswami had some skin disease and it was oozing. And so when he was called by Lord Chaitanya, he didn't want to walk past the Jagannath Mandir because he thought the, the Brahmanas, the Pujaris, they may touch me accidentally in this and get on them. So he went on the beach. He didn't have shoes. He went on the beach and it was very hot and his, he burned his feet, although he didn't feel the suffering. He didn't notice the blisters. And when he came, Lord Chaitanya wanted to embrace him. He said, no, don't touch me. And Lord Chaitanya embraced him and he said, just like the mother when she's cleaning the baby's stool, she doesn't see, oh, this is... Lord Chaitanya said he sees, she sees it like Chanda. I mean, I don't know, I've never saw my baby stool quite like Chanda. But In other words, it's, it's part of your affection. It's part of the mother's affection. I, I read this once from some woman who has, I don't know, I think 12 children. And she was talking about how today people don't want to have children. And she was saying, you know, it, it's such a pleasure to make the baby's bottom all nice and clean. You know, Krishna feels like that about us. First of all, he loves us even if we're covered with mucus. We're still his. And he likes to make us nice and clean. The, the mother, the father, they like to take the child and they'll let me, let me clean you up. If the child is saying, I'm too dirty for you to clean, what is this is a nonsensical idea. That is the, the affection of the parents, isn't it? They're, they're, their happiness. Oh, now my baby's all clean. That's Krishna's affection. And, and as soon as we come into his presence, then we are again clean. So, I, I'm sorry to say this, but, but you asked the question. So, I'm not, although you asked the question, I'm not talking to you, okay? Because otherwise that's too aggressive what I'm going to say. So, I'm just talking, I'm not talking about anybody in this room, okay? I'm talking about somebody outside. You can tell your friends this after the class because it's not about you. This idea that I'm too dirty to go to the Lord is also a kind of pride. It's all about me. I met one lady like this yesterday at the program. 
I'm, I'm too dirty, I'm too sinful, I'm too fallen. Actually, Mudhai fought this way. Some of you may know this story from the Chaitanya Bhagavad. After Lord Nityananda and Lord Chaitanya completely purified Jagai and Mudhai, Mudhai was still feeling guilty. And Lord Nityananda says, don't, you don't have, there's no, it's, done, it's gone, it's finished. He said, but I'm still guilty. He said, and the problem is, I can't rectify because I was so drunk, I was so intoxicated when I committed my sins. I don't even know who I offended. So I can't go to those people and rectify. And Lord Intermedia said, okay, if you really feel bad, make some bathing guts. But it was not actually pleasing that he had this mood. I'm, I'm too fallen. I'm too fallen. It's, it's, a, it's actually a very egotistical mood. It's all about me. If Krishna sends you a ticket to go back to Godhead, that means He wants you. Lord Chaitanya was so pleased with Sarvabhama. He had the same problem. Lord Chaitanya was so pleased with Sarvabhama Bhattacharya. He brought some prasad from Jagannath early in the morning and Sarvabhama had not gotten out of bed and he had not washed his mouth, he had not taken his bath. And he was, you know, a very rule-following Ramana. And he wouldn't even think you're going to eat something. Right? But because the Lord came, eat, yes, I will eat. Even though I am too dirty to eat. And you know you will never never feel clean enough for the Lord. It will not happen. You'll not feel, oh now I have become a pure devotee. I have no more contamination. Now I deserve to go back to Godhead. Okay, come on Krishna, I deserve. Where's my airplane? I am now pure. That's not going to happen. And if someone says that, I meet people like that, they says, now I am so pure, I can do Raganuga Bhakti. I'm like, uh, I don't think so. But if Krishna says, it's time, trust Him. You understand? If Krishna comes, so we're saying, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, and if He knocks on your door, here I am, oh, I'm not pure enough. <laughs> Come back when I'm pure. He's standing outside the door saying, I don't understand. You're calling me every day. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare 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 Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama. And now I'm here. Oh, I'm too dirty. Go away. And, and what is poor Krishna thinking? This crazy person. You know? He says, don't worry about the dirt. I'll take care of it. So Krishna says, time to go home. Go home. Don't worry. Master John. Don't worry. Don't worry. If you look at the deities and there you, you don't see a marble statue, you see the deities. No, 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 I can't look now. I actually know one devotee that did that. He was praying for a year. I want to see the Lord. I want to see the Lord. I want to see the Lord. This was in our temple in Laguna Beach, California. We have Panchatattva deities. And he was a book distributor. So they were using the money, some of the money they were collecting for the book sales was to buy a Gorpurnima outfit for the deities. It was a red outfit. So it wasn't Gorpurnima yet. The outfit wasn't yet 
finished. He wasn't yet offered. But every day for one year, he's praying, I want to see the Lord. I want to see the Lord. I want to see the Lord. And one day in his room, he looked at his wall, and there he saw, there were the Panchatattva. And at first he thought, do, do I have a poster of the Panchatattva in my room? Am I in the temple room? And all of a sudden he realized, that's actually the Panchatattva in my room. And then he said, no, no, I can't see you. And they disappeared. And he's never seen them again. That was like 50 years ago. That would be very sad. If Krishna gave you a ticket and you threw it in the trash because I'm not qualified. So thank you for asking that question. We should end here. Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai. Shri Bhagavatam Ki Jai.